0: So we're all familiar with having a classroom of students that are in a a variety of different levels of understanding. Mm -hmm. And it looks like Miriam is just discussing three of them that we're all familiar with, and they're great formative assessment techniques that just help provide feedback to us so we can make sure all students are staying on track.
1: Yeah, and I like that what she's saying is for those students who, they get to the end of the quarter, right, and they're like, I'm failing now, I don't know what to do. Because they're completely lost. So how can we stop that from getting to that point for them? And
0: it can happen for some students earlier in the year than others, too. Like, Mm -hmm. I think of them, some some students are treading water, right, like they're at a sea or something with their grade. Mm -hmm. But some are drowning by the end of the first quarter or first semester. And so one of the strategies she talks about first, we're all familiar with these three strategies, but this first one is the I do, we do, you do, Approach to instruction
1: mm-hmm. okay. also known like the gradual release yeah and
0: mm-hmm. what I loved about this quick read was we're all familiar with I do yeah we all do the I do <laughs>
1: that's it, the I easy do? part yeah. for teachers right yeah. we <laughs> Let have me show con- you we have
0: the content knowledge and we show them what to do and then we're all familiar with the last piece the, the you do yep. it's probably the easiest
1: I want you to do problem number five <laughs> yeah right.
0: <laughs> but she talks specifically about the we do and just how important, how valuable, how critical this we do part is, and I think it is the piece that takes, like, the art of the te- you got you've got to have this this, this skill set right to be able to provide quality we do time. Absolutely. It, it, I guess it like it really brings whatever you're doing to life if you give time for the students to do the we do.
1: And a lot of teachers, that's the part they skip when they feel like they're short of time.
0: And, and they and. These kids, all I, I think of my son sometimes, I think of all learners, like my, mm-hmm. my daughter at home doing her homework, like they all need more time to process this new information. Mm-hmm. So what better time to do it in class for a few minutes is the we do part. Okay? And with
1: others, it's we, right? Oh, so yeah. it's that collaborative
0: part. And their peers, yeah.
1: And in life, we collaborate. We don't do everything solo. We talk mm-hmm. it out with people. Yeah, and
0: I, imagine how you feel sometimes when you don't get the opportunity to think out loud about whatever it is that you're learning with others. You mm-hmm. might find out others are feeling just like you. You might find out find out others are able to explain it in a way that you didn't see it and then light bulbs go off, right? And things start Absolutely.
1: clicking. Yep. Um,
0: I just think the we do part, if we're doing that process correctly, um, it just definitely makes whatever lesson you're teaching, whatever skill you're learning richer. And
1: one of the teachers that she talk to, he uses it as a time for students to share their work that they are doing and have them collaborate on and critique on yeah. what's going well, what isn't, maybe pulling out those learning intentions, mm-hmm. that success criteria, where are we at on the work here, do we got it, do we don't have it.
0: I've seen programs provide their own student work samples and that could even make it a little safer instead of pulling a student from mm-hmm. the class other student samples from just wherever those came from. And just analyzing and critiquing it together is really a big part of the we do process. And I like, like you said, having them work with partners or groups
1: I like that. And she says you get three benefits, right, to mm-hmm. doing this. And one is then the students understand how to be successful. You're not carrying the whole load. You yeah. now hand it to the students. You want to be successful? This is what we need to do.
0: And we're grading papers. We Kids are getting stuff wrong. We mark it. We send it home. They got a 16 out of 20, a 9 out of 20 and we just keep moving along sometimes and they might not know how to be successful if we don't take
1: the time to analyze what the, what, what, what they what, did. Yeah. And, and, and catch them before they've done 10 yes. problems oh, yeah. all wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Brilliant. The next thing she says is it also helps students to know what to do if they encounter struggle. Because you know what, if you and I are working together and we're both struggling a little bit, it doesn't seem so intense as in I'm sitting here by myself and feeling like everyone else understands, but I don't.
0: The sooner that you catch those misconceptions or those mistakes, the quicker that they'll stop using them. The longer they're allowed to use them, Mm-hmm. The, the more embedded they become as a part of their, their their makeup, it's harder to correct those misconceptions.
1: That's it. And finally, she says the benefit from the energy and productivity that mm. comes from normalizing the learning process. Remember, as we learn, we're not perfect the first time we try it. Yeah. So we're normalizing the I don't know if I get this yet. Let me try this out. The Let struggle, me attempt yeah. this. the
0: perseverance part. Love it. That's it. it. So we're all familiar with having a classroom of students that are in a variety of different levels of understanding Mm -hmm. and it looks like miriam is just discussing three of them that we're all familiar with and they're great formative assessment techniques that just help provide feedback to us so we can make sure all students are staying on track
1: yeah and i like that what she's saying is for those students who they get to the end of the quarter right and they're like I'm failing. Now I don't know what to do because yeah. they're completely lost. So how can we stop that from getting to that po- point for them?
0: And it can happen for some students earlier in the year than others too. Like mm-hmm. I think of them some some students are treading water, right? Like they're at a sea or something with their grades. Mm-hmm. But some are drowning by the end of the first quarter or first yeah. semester. And so one of the strategies she talks about first, we're all familiar with these three strategies, but this first one is the I do, we do, you do approach to instruction
1: mm-hmm. okay. also known like the gradual release yeah mm-hmm.
0: and what i loved about this quick read was we're all familiar with i do yeah we all do the i do does that's I, does the that easy part yeah. for teachers right yeah. we <laughs> let have me the con- show you we have the content knowledge and we show them what to do mm-hmm. and then we're all familiar with the last piece the the you do yeah it's probably the easiest
1: i want you to do problem number five <laughs> yeah right and,
0: but she talks specifically about the we do and just how important, how valuable, how critical this we do part is. And I think it is the piece that takes like the art of the te- you got you've got to have this this, this skill set right to be able to provide quality we do time. Absolutely. It, it I guess it like it really brings whatever you're doing to life if you give time for the students to do the we do. And
1: a lot of teachers, that's the part they skip when they feel like they're short of time.
0: And, and they and. These kids, all I, I think of my son sometimes, I think of all learners, like my, mm-hmm. my daughter at home doing her homework, like they all need more time to process this new information. Mm-hmm. So what better time to do it in class for a few minutes is the we do part. Okay? And with
1: others, it's we, right? Oh, so it's yeah. that collaborative part.
0: And their peers, yeah.
1: And in life, we collaborate. We don't do everything solo. We talk it out with people.
0: Yeah, and I, imagine how you feel sometimes when you don't get the opportunity to think out loud about whatever it is that you're learning with others. You Mm -hmm. might find out others are feeling just like you. You might find out, find out others are able to explain it in a way that you didn't see it and then light bulbs go off. Right. And things start clicking. Um, I just think that we do part, if we're doing that process correctly, um, it just definitely makes whatever lesson you're teaching, whatever skill you're learning richer.
1: And one of the teachers that she talked to, he used it as a time for students to share their work that they are doing and have them collaborate on and critique on what's going well, what isn't, maybe pulling out those learning intentions, Mm -hmm. that success criteria, where are we at on the work here. Do we got it? Do we don't have it?
0: I've seen programs provide their own student work samples, and that could even make it a little safer instead of pulling a student from the mm-hmm. class, other student samples from just you know wherever those came from. And just analyzing and critiquing it together is really a big part of the we do process. And I like, like you said, having them work with partners or groups.
1: I like that. And she says you get three benefits, right, to mm-hmm. doing this. And one is then the students understand how to be successful. You're not carrying the whole load. You now hand it to the students. You want to be successful. This is what we need to do.
0: And we're grading papers. We kids are getting stuff wrong. We mark it. We send it home. They got a 16 out of 20, a nine out of 20. And Mm -hmm. we just keep moving along sometimes. And they might not know how to be successful if we don't take the time to analyze what they what what they did yeah and and and
1: catch them before they've done 10 problems all wrong Mm -hmm. right brilliant the next thing she says is it also helps students to know what to do if they encounter struggle because you know what if you and I are working together and we're both struggling a little bit it doesn't seem so intense as in I'm sitting here by myself and feeling like everyone else understands but I don't the
0: sooner that you catch those misconceptions or those mistakes the quicker that they'll stop using them the, the longer they're allowed to use them
1: mm-hmm.
0: the, the more embedded they become as a part of their 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 makeup and it's harder to correct those misconceptions
1: that's it and finally she says the benefit from the energy and productivity that mm-hmm. comes from normalizing the learning process remember as we learn we're not perfect the first time we try it yeah. so we're normalizing the I don't know if I get this yet. Let me try this out. The Let struggle, me attempt yeah. this. The
0: perseverance part. Love That's it. it.
1: David, a second feedback technique that she describes is higher order questioning. Mm-hmm. And again, as teachers, we're very familiar with using higher order questioning, giving them to our students. Yeah. But Miriam flips it and she talks about how students can use higher order thinking Um, are asked those questions, and what type of formative assessment data you get as the teacher. Because just by them asking that question, we can find out what they do know and what they don't know based on the question they're asking.
0: And as you're collecting questions from the students, and you might see a lot of low-level questions, it might be a clue that they don't have a deep understanding of the scale or tasks that they're
1: learning. Mm-hmm. I agree, I agree. And a fun little exit ticket strategy that she uses. So instead of giving them a problem to see, can they solve what I just taught to them? She uses, I want you to ask a question about today's lesson. I like that. Um, as an exit ticket. Or
0: even providing the students with a real world scenario and then say, you provide questions that you could design oh. to be asked for this particular task, like in a word problem, a contextualized problem.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think of some of the higher order questioning techniques that we do to students, particularly in math, we might say, what strategy did you use? Um, but do you have another strategy? You know, mm-hmm. Try to expand their thinking. Um, which strategy is best and why? I've seen a lot too on some of our end of the year standardized testing too, it's like, not just what's the answer, but can you provide a model to show your understanding? So that higher order thinking is everywhere today.
1: Yeah, and she even says, you know, like if she did the exit ticket thing, maybe don't even have them put their name on it. As long as you know you're going to address those questions in a timely manner, they'll get that feedback, but the students might feel safer for asking that instead of raising their hand to ask questions. And that's
0: the critical part is when you're collecting stuff like this from the class, from the students, it, it really validates them if you do do what you said, follow up with them in a, in yeah. a timely manner. And I've been guilty of that. I, I teach at UNLV part-time and I've had kids do tasks like this sometimes and I might not get back to them for a couple of weeks on their yeah. questions and then I feel really guilty. i I didn't want to dishonor them or devalue those great questions they asked and so i've i've always tried to keep up on that as the best i can also
1: yeah it helps our students know this again asking the questions is part of that learning process and that their questions were worthy of being answered they they want the dumb questions as the we sometimes think we ask.
0: Now, earlier, you and I were chatting before we started recording, and you mentioned something about hot. What was that?
1: Yeah, so at at my school, we always, instead of calling the higher order thinking, we call it the hot question, H-O-T, of the day, right? I like and that. so we always put that up um, as a question for the end of the lesson or something for students to ask. That might be kind of fun. Just talking to you now, Glenn, what if the students came up with those questions like so that, that you lot. could throw that up there?
0: What are the hot questions? I like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I could see how this technique could really address concerns and issues that students or the, the class could have before they snowball into something bigger at the end of a quarter or at the end of the semester.
1: Yeah, it kind of gives you a mini check-in without them feeling overwhelmed.
0: I like it. The third technique that Miriam discusses is she just calls it a holistic sort, okay. And this is just taking a, a, a group of student work from the whole class and just sorting it into groups, like you know where my kids are with this skill or this topic. Mm-hmm. You could sort maybe two or three groups. It could be a group that met, and a group that has not yet met.
1: And I like that met it or not yet it. Not yet. That's <laughs> not yet. Not that's to good. get confused, yeah.
0: but not yet. Because so many times and grades are important it it does kind of let you know where you stand oh i have a c in this or i Mm -hmm. failed this or i got an a it tells you where you stand but if we actually sorted into groups and looked at those groups and dug a little deeper i think that that and give students
1: that feedback i think that could really help them going forward and i think that's the key is the feedback because when a student gets a grade they feel like it's final like Sometimes I, it is. I yeah, didn't yeah. get it. I yeah. gotta see, and I love that you say sometimes it is yeah. because as teachers, we don't always follow up once we get to the grading process because we're moving on yeah. to the next one. Yeah. So this strategy that she was talking about, she she made this comment that you need to think about your assignment and go: Is this assignment worth the grade, or is it the value is in the? feedback that not only myself, but my students will get before we get to the high stakes grade. And you
0: can do this in all content areas, of course, but I'm thinking math and I'm thinking like my son or daughter comes home with a paper that got a 17 out of 20. Hey, Uh Good job. You got a solid B. But as the teacher, I like I'll go look at the three that they got wrong sometimes. And then I'll see something. I'm like, oh my gosh, do you notice what happened here with these three, Aubrey or Parker? Mm -hmm. And they'll look and it's like sometimes a very simple mistake or we found a misconception. Yep. So I like analyzing student work samples to help me guide them to correcting any of those mistakes or misconceptions.
1: And that's what I liked about this this strategy, this technique, right? Mm -hmm. It's quick and easy. Met it, not yet it, right? Yeah. And the not yet it, what I am, I'm thinking about a particular strategy or a particular concept. Yeah. Are they there yet? And then once I have that, what's the pattern I'm seeing from the group? So I can give that feedback right away and what I'm teaching instead of waiting to a test and go, wow, no one understood how to find the value of X.
0: And if students are getting this feedback on a consistent basis, I mean, it's only going to help them improve when they do get to those higher stakes opportunities those higher stake
1: assessments or tests that's it alrighty so as we come to the end of this article I want us to think back at the beginning when we're talking about those students who come to us and they go Mr. Jansen I'm failing how do I bring my grade up
0: imagine how you could help them if you used any of these feedback strategies
1: yeah and they were all easily implemented with everything else we have on our plate we're familiar with all of them we're already doing i do we do you do we're just not focusing on the we do we could just start focusing a little bit more on that section i've never
0: thought about the we do part as like it's effective feedback for them yeah i just thought of it as like oh they're gonna talk to each other and share with each other in their groups but like the we do part is effective feedback for what where they are in the process. And so I'm glad I'm gonna
1: think about that more, focus on that more now. Are using their questions that they ask you as feedback for both of you, because it's telling you a lot, not only what they knew, but what they didn't know.
0: And we want them to take ownership of that so they know how to be successful as they continue that momentum of just going through the school year and hitting the quarters and the semesters and the grades and all of that that stress that could come with that, whether they're failing, struggling, or succeeding. We just want them to feel like they're on the right path.
1: Yeah, and I like she said, you know, if we use these feedback strategies, students will be less likely to get bogged down in a sense of failure because they will know how to take that feedback and use it for good.
0: As we wrap up today's conversation, we just we want to invite you to continue to join us as we learn and grow together through humor and conversation. And remember, wherever you are,
1: math math happens. happens.